namaste and welcome to sangam talks and today on person behind the persona the series that we have been doing uh, we have done with dr conrad elst and we have also conducted one interview with uh, professor kapil kapoor ji and today we have with us a very very esteemed uh, speaker and very esteemed uh, person that we want to interview from a long time the ever evasive shrikant talageri ji we've had shrikant ji on our uh, sangam talks a few months ago i think it was last year and shrikant ji has spoken about the rigveda battles uh, the dash rajneya war and also the chronology and the history behind it so i'll quickly introduce shrikant ji so shrikant ji is a bcom dlit honors he has written four major books from 1993 to 2019 voice of india uh is the publication on the aryan problem or the aryan invasion theory versus the out of india theory debate and he has provided conclusive evidence that the original homeland of the indo european languages was in north india he has also written detailed articles on music history religion and politics so with that shrikant ji um, i welcome you and most of us don't know you as a person you know we've seen your work we have read your books uh, we have been inspired and we've been awestruck by the work you have done the body of work is not possible by a single human being at least in one life so um, i i i really uh, am honored to have you shrikant ji namaste namaste so shrikant ji yeah. i beg to uh, start this biographical interview we want to know about your personal life how you grew up and what motivated you to do the work that nobody else has ever been able to do on the way the chronology and many other aspects so shikan ji my first question to you is how were you while growing up your growing up years how was the social life the family life the academic environment what all influenced you growing up down nostalgia lane bombay in the 60s where i have written about my childhood quite a bit and uh, but uh, actually i stay in uh, mumbai grand road area and uh, we have been staying in the same house since uh, 107 years because right even before my father was born because ours is the first property housing society in the whole of asia so when we completed uh, 100 years 7 uh, years ago uh, there were articles in all the newspapers and uh, photographs of our of uh, colony and our people also and uh, that is when i had written that article on down uh, nostalgia lane now Uh, in that i have written most of the things so we have been staying in this house same house before the birth of my father and uh, we are a typical middle class family you know our community chitrapur sarasat community most of the people although our native places are in karnataka most of us are staying in mumbai now of course they are all over the world but uh, during in the last one century i think uh, at least 70% of the community is to live in mumbai itself so now we were and especially in our area now it is spread out and you know uh, uh, 50 years or so ago the atmosphere was completely different social you know there was no tv certainly no mobile and the internet so people had uh, much more social intercourse among each other relatives used to come and stay we used to go and stay in relatives houses we used to go to meet people they used to come to meet us neighbors so now that life is completely different so we were lived a typical middle class life now i studied in st javier's high school and then sidnam college and uh, then i uh, got a, a job in the bank now what happened is that uh, you know um, whatever I, what uh, what i am now is because of the atmosphere that was there since uh, my childhood you know we were a typical as i said middle class family and uh, very culturally uh, broad minded and cosmopolitan and all that now uh, whatever i have done i feel that uh, first of all i must uh, say that uh, i owe everything to my parents because whatever i have done is because of certain things that i have inherited from my parents like my father was very systematic methodical and this uh, thing in his work both in personal life and in his office work and all that in my personal life i'm not very systematic and methodical and all that but in my research work i am and my mother used to be very sharp you know in when so many things were in front of her she could her pick up like you know arjuna could see the 
I have the bird. She used to pick up the odd man out of the particular point which is stood out. So I think these two qualities have helped me in my work. Another thing is that they taught me to be, they were very honest people. Honesty, they taught me honesty. So in my work, I'm very honest. In Because of that, I make enemies on all sides also. And I cannot accept nonsense from anyone. And I write. So that is there. But because of that, I managed to keep progressing in my work. So that is the main thing. And the first thing, what I wanted to say about my family, social, and uh, this thing. Shrikanji, I wanted to know how were you as a child? Were you naughty? Were you silent? Were you observant? What kind of a child, curious child? Yeah, I had a ch typical childhood of that time. I was not, you know, very sports minded, to be very honest. I used to be reading all the time. And reading means not intellectual books, but, you know, comics, story books and all that. And uh, my childhood hobbies, if you want to know, were mainly reading and uh, music. I used to listen to the radio. And uh, uh, my two dreams were that when I grew up, I would have a big uh, library full of books. And another, I would have a big room full of music records. That time, there were gramophone records. And uh, in Hindi, Marathi, semi-classical, North Indian, South Indian, all kinds of music. Uh, we were very much interested in all that in our house. My parent, my mother used to be a singer, actually. And uh, of course, after marriage and after her birth, she stopped. But in the 50s, you know, people used to go and sing in the radio. They used to be called to sing live on the radio. And afterwards, they used to get uh, this uh, actual assignments in films or to have records made and all. So she was the, going in, uh, singing in the radio for some time. But then after we were born, it all ended, unfortunately. So that is a uh, very sad. She was uh, restricted to the house after that. She became only a pure housewife. But uh, because of that, we have a great love for music. And uh, another thing is, you know, I had that hobby. Like I said, my father was very methodical and this thing. He used to, even in his office work, he was known for his very methodical work. No, I had that habit. I remember even when I was in the first standard and all, you know, I used to just take a paper and just write lists of birds, bird names that I know, crow, sparrow, open. And my mother used to say, um, why are you wasting pages like that? But you know, that habit of classifying things, listing things, that is always uh, is what helps me in my work. And uh, I had three ambitions, actually. One was... You know, I wanted to be a writer because I used to read all sorts of storybooks and all. And I wanted to be actually a storybook writer. So second ambition was I wanted to do something for Hinduism. And my third ambition was, you know, we used to see all these uh, mythological films in which, you know, the Rishi comes out majestically from the Himalayas and then with his commander and then he throws the water, holy water on someone and blesses them or curses them. I used to say, when I grow up, I want to become a Rishi and go in the Himalayas and become popular. Now, my mother used to say, I used to be very scared, you know, at night to go alone into a room or to go to the toilet. So my mother used to say, first you learn to go to the toilet alone at night, then talk about going and staying in the Himalayas. So these are my three hobbies. I can say, you know, we, you know, have uh, fulfilled all my hobbies to some extent, with all my ambitions and hobbies, because, you know, I have a big collection of books, so story books. Uh, all, you know, even I still read the books I used to read in childhood again and again, like Enid Blyton's, then uh, P.G. Wodow's, Agatha Christie's, uh, Stanley Gardner's, then um, Georgette Hare's, of course, Harry Potter also is the newest thing. And uh, I have an com almost complete collection of all these books. And uh, uh, also all the classics, you know, we used to read Greek mythological stories, we used to read Bharatiya Vidya Bhavan uh, books, you know, Rajgopalachari, Ramayana, Mahabharat, Bhagwan Parashuram. Uh, Krishna, uh, Krishna Uttar and all those books. We used to get Bhavan's journal. We used to get Blitz and you know my uncles, my uh, auntie, my mother's uh, cousin brothers used to stay as paying guests in a house because that time on my father's salary, we could not, uh, he could not bring up three children. Uh, so we used to keep paying guests, relatives who used to come from the ground. Now they used to get all these current Mother India, uh, Shankar's Weekly, Bhavan's journal. So I used to read all that. So I had a very wide reading uh, this thing. We used to get comics of all kinds. My favorite still, you know, which you don't get are like Sugar and Spike, Little Lulu. I still remember uh, Superboy comics. Long before the films came, we used to read all the Superboy, Superman comics and Phantom comics and all kinds of things. So uh, I had a wide, wide this thing. And that I have, although I don't have comics and all, I have all these books. Secondly, in my computer, I have a huge collection of music. I have practically any old Hindi film song that you can name, I have it with me. 
in audio and video and music marathi also and uh, i like also gujarati folk songs i love yakshagan music of the south i like karnatak sangeet i like to listen to you know that uh, um, there is that uh, annual function where hundreds of people gather together and chant jagarajas uh, pancharatna kritis in uh, uh, a place in tamil nadu so i have downloaded those i love to listen to that also so i have music those two have completed and i think you know indirectly in my, i have always also completed my three ambitions by my books firstly i wanted to be a writer i am a writer though not of story books i wanted to do something for hinduism i think i am doing something for hinduism through my books and thirdly though i have not myself become a rishi in the himalayas but you know uh, conrad elst when he wrote the review of my third book he referred to me as the modern present day scion of india's ancient rishis so in a way i have completed all my ambitions so in that reason in respect i am quite satisfied with what i have done thank you shrikant ji and you had any brothers sisters how was your relationship with your brothers what all they taught you how they influenced you well i don't know if they had influence on me because you know my uh, they are quite different my sister was extremely outgoing and uh, my brother also like i said i was not particularly interested in sports and all that he was very interested in every kind of games and sports also you know as i said in my personal life i am not very systematical in method and methodical uh, but my brother is extremely like my father he also keeps uh, point a uh, note of everything you know every paisa that is spent my father till the last day he used to keep records of what was uh, what the ex- daily expenses so uh, they are we are all three different in a way so we have all had our own this thing but of course i have always had the support and the support of my parents and friends So that is right. Thank you, Shrikant ji. I'll move on to the next question, and I think Dr. Conrad Elst, uh, the love you both have for each other, and the way you both have contributed to the whole Aryan invasion, you know, myth busting, I think is wonderful. Mm-hmm. And you both are rishis in your own sense. Um, so, Shrikant ji, I'll ask you your, uh, I'll ask you the next question uh, about your life. So, how were your college years, and what were your interests then? Yeah, see, you know, many people say that college life is when they enjoy social life and this thing. But uh, I was in Sydney College, and you know that college, unlike say, for example, Saint Xavier's College, it uh, did not have a big ground and all that. It was just, it's just a building at Chergate, and I think there is a ground and all elsewhere. And at that time, you know what? Uh, actually, when I was in college, I should admit, uh, tell you. that uh, i used to be uh, in my school saint xavier school when they taken the iq uh, test i had got the highest in many years and uh, also um, they said i could take anything but the thing was i was not interested in any science subject and you know at that time they if you are intelligent you should become a doctor or engineer or something like that and that though that was what my uh, fam- uh, father expected so i simply hated science subjects so i didn't want to take them and i never really thought of what i should do you know i should have taken arts but my father used to say only girls take arts you should take so that was the kind of thing you know so just as a reaction i just took commerce you know i used to love maths in school so somehow i thought commerce has to do with maths must be having to do with maths and uh, you know in school when i was in the 9th standard i have written an article on it my trist with mathematics i had actually invented some mathematical formula and uh, then you know the assistant principal sent me to the tata institute of fundamental research where an ex student of his was there and uh, he advised me that after you finish school you can and college you can come here and become a researcher in maths but you know these things come like inspiration i couldn't imagine myself sitting in an office and churning out formulae as a daily uh, job so i just lost interest in that thing now what happened was that uh, my a main ambition during college days so you see because i didn't like commerce i hated that the subjects you know like for example the uh, pub, pub, uh, there was a advertising and publicity and i found it so mercenary that subject that i hated it and uh, maths you know the, uh, i don't know why many people like trigonometry my niece does for example but i found it completely different from what maths i had expected and i hated trigonometry also the result was you know that i didn't study my, uh, my commerce subjects at all i used to go to all the libraries the american british university and take notes 
on all kinds of subjects, you know, like plants, animals, languages, alphabets, all the world, because I have always been interested in world culture. You know, since childhood, we were exposed to Indian culture as well as all world culture. So I have a very broad attitude towards cultural thing. There is, for example, one book, story book that my father had bought when I was in the second standard, a big fat one called Once Long Ago. If you see on Wikipedia, you will see there's an article on it. It was uh, published in 1962. It has stories from all over the world, you know, American, Indian, Ma Aztec, uh, Maya, Chinese, Ar Arabic. And more than the stories, there were pictures accompanied, colorful pictures, which showed, you know, the very heart of that culture. And since childhood, I was fascinated with all world cultures. So, and what I discovered was that Indian culture is the greatest, greatest not in the sense of, you know, wanting to convert people to our culture or something like that, but in every respect, like, for example, if you take natural culture, you know, climate, topography, plants, animals, we have the widest range in all of that. For example, the hottest areas in the world are in India, you know, now presently in Pakistan, Jakobabad and all. And according to the Encyclopedia Britannica, India has the largest area outside the Antarctic regions covered with permanent ice and snow. Then we have areas in Rajasthan which don't get any rainfall. And we have the highest rainfall in the world in Assam and Meghalaya. So you see, we, and we have every type of climate, every type of topography. So India's contributions to the world in every respect have been this thing. You know, we give so many plants, so many, uh, you know, the domestic fowl is Indian. The Indian cattle and uh, buffalo were domesticated in India and the domesticated elephant also. So India's contribution has been very great. If you see languages and uh, races, you know, there are supposed to be four races in the world. Um, you know, Caucasoid, Mongoloid, Negroid, and uh, a fourth one, Australoid, is often positive. Now, India is the only place in the world which has all these four races native to it. You know, we have the, most of us are Caucasoid. Uh, then we have people belonging to the Mongoloid race in the, you know, Himalayas and Northeast. Then we have the only pure Negroes outside India, outside Africa, in the Andaman Islands. And uh, then the Veda people of Sri Lanka are Australoid people outside Australia. So you see, we have everything. In languages, we have six of the 19 or so language families in the world. And four of them are native to India. Dravidian, Andamanese, Burushaski. And also, as I have proved, Indo-European was originally Indian. So you see, when you go to that, we have the widest culture of human civilization also. We invented mo most of the things in, say, martial arts or medicine, our contributions in every field, science, arts, architecture, music. Um, and we have the widest range. You know, I have written an article, uh, India's unique place in the world of numbers and numerals. So even in the present time, we have the simplest number system in the world, in the Andaman Islands. And even in ancient times, we had the most complicated number system in the world, in Sanskrit. Then musically also, the Veda people are supposed to have the most prim primal form of music. And you know, Indian classical music has the most highly developed system of uh, uh, ragas and talas. So in every respect, we have, if you see clothes, you have people in the uh, certain tribal areas uh, who are uh, in Tamil, uh, Kerala or Tamil Nadu, I believe I have seen pictures of that, who are almost in the nude or the Andaman Islands. And then we have all kinds of costumes in Ladakh or see very heavily fitting costumes. You know? So we have every single variety. We, I, I think India is a, if you see some of the dances of the Nagas, they remind you of uh, American Indian dances. So you see, India has everything and I wanted to prepare an encyclopedia showing the greatness of Indian culture. And then I set about, that's what I was doing in college. All the four years, I was going and uh, taking notes on everything. But then I realized, you know, that it is an impossible task for one person. And then what happened was, you know, uh, I decided to write stories. And then someone told me, why don't you write in Konkani, your mother tongue? So I said, I thought, yes, and I started. But then I realized that the alphabet, Devanagari or Roman, is not uh, sufficient to write Konkani, which has many more sounds. So then I became interested in languages and alphabet, alphabets in particular. I learned, you know, numbers 1 to 100 in more than 100 languages of the world, including uh, 
African, American, Indian, Australian, Aboriginal, all that. And I learned them by heart. Now, of course, I don't remember them all. But uh, also, I learned every single alphabet except Chinese, which is, of course, too difficult. And uh, others, I learned all, you know, Greek, Armenian, uh, Hebrew, Sinhalese, Burmese, and uh, uh, Mongolian, Japanese Katakana alphabet, everything. So I used, uh, then while I was doing all this, I came again across this uh, concept of Aryan invasion. So then uh, uh, that's how I worked on to that. Now what happened was in all this, you know, my college life uh, studies support. So I hardly used to be in the college. I used to be in all these libraries all day long. Now what happened was that, you know, I was just passing. In, although I was brilliant in school, here I was just getting 38%, 39% past class. And in the last year, uh, I was desperate because I, what I wanted was a regular job, which would give me my bread and butter. And after that, I could just do my work on the side without bothering about where I'll be earning money. So my father was in a bank. So I thought, yes, I should get a job in a bank. Now, I couldn't get it on my uh, uh, past class marks. So I was desperate that before I completed my BCom, I should get a job because then I could get it on my SSC marks. So just luckily when I was in the last year of college, I managed to get this job in Central Bank of India, which really saved my life, I can say. And I'm very grateful to that institution. And uh, so even in the last year, which I did while I was working, I managed to uh, get past class only, but it didn't matter. So I got the job. That is how I, got, I took the job in the bank and it gave me freedom, you know, I never took promotions also because I didn't want to be in, uh, entangled in the uh, bank. This thing. I used to do my work very diligently in my whatever work I had. Once I came out, it was over. I used to do the other thing. So that is how my job uh, uh, <laughs> was, uh, you know, that's how I took the bank job and how it fitted me perfectly. So weren't your family ever curious that you don't take promotions, you don't bother about any worldly things? Oh yes, my father was, you know, very disappointed. He said he was so clever and just see what he's become. He's become a bank clerk like me. There's no future in banks. And uh, he used to be very disappointed. But once I started writing these books, and you know, when uh, Sitaram Goyalji agreed to publish my first book in the 90s, then he once he phoned home, and my father took the phone and he said, you must be very proud of your son. He's a historian. So after that, my father changed his attitude, changed completely. He became proud rather than ashamed that as a bank. And people used to ask him, uh, your son is a historian, it seems. So that compensated for not being a doctor or engineer. And uh, yeah, that is it. So he, became, he also reconciled to this. And... Uh, yeah, incidentally, when I was talking about why I became attracted to Hindutva, I should tell, uh, like books I used to read all the time. And, um, but in the first standard, you know, when I first joined this uh, St. Xavier school, you know, in, in every Christian school, there is a crucifix about the teacher's desk. And um, there is, you know, subtle indoctrination takes place. Uh, so we were taught about how we should pray to God, we should go to chapel every day and this and that. So all that was going on in the first standard. Then I didn't really understand anything. And at that time, a film had come on Jesus Christ. And my parents had gone to see it. And after they came back, they were discussing it and saying how he was treated and how badly he was treated and what, that sort of thing. So I asked, what is it? So they told me that same, it's about Jesus Christ, who is in your school. You must have seen his. Uh, so I said, yes, and I was quite happy. But then, you know, two uncles of mine, as I said, my mother's cousins who were staying in our house. They started making fun of me, you know, how you tease children. They told me, Are, do you know Saint, uh, this Francis Xavier was the one who drove our ancestors out of Goa into Karnataka, as Saraswats. They, they did the inquisition, they destroyed our temples. So I said, of course not. And we were just banding words. But then I went inside and my father, you know, was telling my mother, why should they tell him all this? He should feel proud of his school. And that, you know, had a more effect than what they said. Because I felt from my father's words that what they were saying, I had taken it as a joke. But from my father's words, I realized it was true. And if it was true, I didn't see why I should ignore it and uh, be proud of the school. 
so then i realized that there is such a thing as hindu identity and there are forces attacking that hindu name it was just in the first or second standard you know and it was like a transformation in my life at that very period no one in my house was uh, hindu minded in that sense you know they used to be anti congress they used to vote for socialist party like george fernandez and all that sort of thing but there was no hindu or this thing as such but uh, i became hindu after that minded and in school you know we had to compulsory say christian prayers and all i used to quietly say our own hindu prayers and i used to tell other hindus also say your own prayers so that in some way i became hindutva minded without any rss or any other kind of influence in fact i became acquainted with the rss uh, in after 1975 i read the book uh, uh, tragic story to, no uh, you know that book by collins and uh, uh, lepier i think Uh, it was about um, it was about partition. It came out in the emergency, and in that he had criticized the Shims, uh, Hindu Mahasabha and RSS during the independence days. So I read it and I became interested. I wanted to join the uh, Hindu Mahasabha and RSS. So I went searching out to find where I could this thing, and finally I joined it. But I was not this thing because I realized that they don't really. I mean, Hindu Sabha is Mahasabha is practically non-existent. and the rss uh, at that time i found that you know they didn't really have a cultural attitude it was just you know gathering people together for political purposes gather students together into akhil bharatiya vidyarthi parishad gather workers together into mazdoor sang and then all of them are channelized towards the political wing of the party like that time it was jan sang which got merged into janta party and then i really found that uh, even the janta party the jansang was the only faction which abandoned all its principles and ever since then i had written an, i have a notebook in which i had written an article at that time in which i noted all the lapses of the uh, jansang segment of the janata party and after that uh, although i continued to have friendly relationships with all the rss people of every wing and attend all the programs and all i was never you know an rss person i was a hindutva person on my own so this i just wanted to thank you shrikant ji that's exactly i was going to ask the next question that how come growing up in post independent india with this nehruvian um, shadow looming large and you being a brahmin and this brahminical patriarchy mostly the hindus or the brahmins wanted to abuse their own uh, ancestry so how come you went into the vedas and the rigveda and the aryan equation theory Uh, you partly no. answered that, but what drove you to uh, meeting Sita Ram Goyal ji? What was the first meeting like? Yeah. So what happened was, you know, there used to be a magazine called Mirror. It was a small size magazine. You know, uh, I that time used to read all those magazines, film magazines also, like Star Dust and all, Illustrated Weekly of India, then News um, Weekly, which had all kinds of stories and all, and uh, this Mirror and Bhavan's Journal. Now these had more cultural articles. Now, mirror. There was an article when I was in, it must be in '70 or something, 1970, which was, you know, about uh, that a favorite topic of many people that uh, Chandragupta of, uh, you know, Sandrakotas of the Greek text is not Chandragupta Maurya but Chandragupta of the Gupta dynasty, and that's why the date should go back and all that. So I was thrilled by it, and um, actually that is what brought me into this field of chronology. Okay, but right now I do not actually. I find that I don't support that claim. I don't go into that uh, business because you know, well, various things. But that is what first brought me into the thing. Secondly, what happened was that I read a uh, someone. You know, I went to uh, Savarkar Sadan. There was Savarkar Sadan here, and some person that uh, because I wanted to buy actually a book by uh, Made Please Your Honor by Nathuram Gorse. Now I wanted to read that book. so i went to get it and then you know uh, that person sitting there there was some person called balarao savarkar who used to sit there he told me read these books there were thin small booklets by sitaram goel he said read them uh, they are very interesting so before that you know i had read a book tragic story of partition by hoveshishadri an rss book and i was very impressed by it and i saw that one of these booklets was a commentary on that book so i immediately and the books were just you know 3 rupees 4 rupees at that time so i bought um, two three books and came 
and uh, there was you know the story of islamic imperialism in india and muslim separatism causes and consequences and when i read those books i was so thrilled i realized i had found the person whom i should contact for my own writing so i immediately wrote to sitam goel on the address was there in the book and i asked him to send me all the books i sent a check that was the non internet days if you remember in the 70s so uh, he sent those books and then i read all of them and uh, after a few years when i decided what happened was you know because of that interesting chronology also uh, uh, i got interested in writing about this i realized because of my studies in languages that the aryan invasion theory had no basis so i wanted to examine it so i uh, went into all the arguments which are there for it i collected them and then i wrote to sitaram goindi saying i am going to write a book on this and uh, will you publish it because i want my book to be among your voice of india books so he wrote to me see i don't appreciate the pno type of books uh, so if that is the kind of thing you are writing i don't want it but if you think you can deal with this subject you send me a sample of your writing and i'll consider it so i sent him the first three chapters which i had already written which were not about the subject it was about the political corollaries of the subject you know if you see my first book the aryan invasion theory and indian nationalism so the first section is three chapters on the political aspects of the theory so i sent it to him and within four days i received back a, a postcard from him he said i received your book yesterday night i sat through the night and read it i will definitely publish your book i'm sure you can deal with this so i was thrilled and then i started going into all the different aspects of that and you know many times i was discouraged because no one else has really done studies on this so had done at that time certainly so i was discouraged i was thinking will i be able to do this will i be able to do this uh, but then because of sitaram goelji's confidence in me i realized i had to go through it and then i finally managed to find the answers to everything and i uh, gave it to uh, sent him the book in uh, 91 and it was published in uh, 93 in 92 i sent him the book and in 93 march or something the final publication came out and you know uh, girilal jain who was the editor of times of india at that time he read the book and he wrote a review of it in times of india center page which was you know his last column actually because he expired after a few days unfortunately and uh, because of that i got the name this is the person whose book was praised by girilal jain so because of that i got a boost then uh, what up till then let me tell you i had not seen a copy of the rigveda also i had dealt with it indirectly based on you know the books by malati shendge pl bhargav and others but after that i decided let me actually deal with the rigveda itself you know i wanted to give the uh, chronology of the rigveda so uh, i decided to go by the uh, table shown in bhargava's book about the rishis but then i found that when i tried to go by his chronology everything became topsy turvy like you know he showed uh, vishwamitra and vasishta as the latest rishis and he showed atri and kanva as the earliest rishis however everything showed that it was the opposite you know the ancestors of atri and kanva are shown composing hymns with vishwamitra and vasishta and the descendants of vishwamitra and vasishta are shown composing hymns with atri and kanva so that shows that atri and kanva were long after uh, this so then i decided you know that uh, i won't go by his chronology which is based on puranic stories which are all jumbled up anyway you can uh, prove anything from them so i decided to go only by the rigveda and that is how my i wrote my second book the rigveda historical analysis uh, which was uh, in which i cl- classified the rigveda into you know old middle and all that now what happened was that after i did that i based it completely on the data within the rigveda as i have shown in the, my book now after that i found that this actually fitted in with the a chronology of the western indologists because they have also said that the uh, family book also pointed out that book 5 although it is a family book is also belonging to the later period now uh, based on all this 
uh, I had, you know, in my second book, I had pointed out the old and new books. However, I had not given any, after I had uh, did that, but I said, you know, I cannot give any absolute dating like, until some proof comes. Like you cannot say something is 2500 BC until you actually get some uh, evidence, archaeological datable evidence. So, but in spite of that, I gave a tentative chronology. I said, you know, that the new period of the Rigveda starts from after 2500 BC and the old period goes before that. So now what happened was uh, in 2000 itself after this book came out and in that I had written a chapter on Michael Witzel because, you know, he, I found that he had criticized my first book without having read it. So then I examined his articles and I wrote a chapter showing how he contradicted himself and showed, gave all kinds of wrong information and wrong interpretation. So what happened was that after that, I was contacted by a prof, uh, another lecturer from Harvard University. He's, and after the book was published, I got the publisher to send a copy of the book to Michael Witzel. Now, after that, you know, another lecturer from there contacted the uh, Ashok Chaugale in Mumbai and said that uh, Michael Witzel is interested in offering me a fully paid scholarship under him at Harvard. Only if I were to be flexible in my views and not too rigid in my views. So, and uh, now you see in one way, this is a, a typical sort of tactic. Now, I did not want to accept it because obviously I did not want to leave my parents and go. And secondly, I don't like traveling for long distances and all. And I couldn't leave Bombay and go, as I said, uh, I don't like to go outside Bombay for long. So I couldn't imagine going and st staying in Harvard. And for various other reasons, I obviously didn't want to accept that offer. And obviously, I could not modify my views as per his convenience because I was going by the data. So I uh, conveyed my this thing uh, to Ashok Chaudhary, who must have conveyed it to that lecturer. And then what happened was, you know, uh, Conrad has told me that there is a discussion going on on the internet in which they are saying that, you know, spoked wheels were invented in 2200 BC. And they are found mentioned throughout the Rigveda, which shows that the Rigveda is after that date. So then I said, see, if my dating of the Rigveda is correct, then the spoke twins will not be found mentioned throughout the Rigveda. They will be found mentioned only in the new books and they will not be there in the old books. So I checked up where all those words are mentioned. And to my surprise, yes, all the references are only in the new books. So that sort of confirmed my dating. And then what happened was, you know, uh, they had no answer to that. That proves, you know, that the old books go before the invention of spoke wheels. So, uh, according to them, the Aryans entered India in 1500 BC and after that they composed the Rigveda. But this shows that the old books go back beyond 2200, long before 2200 BC. So, then another thing that happened was, you know, Michael Witzel was uh, writing uh, comments on the internet saying that the Mitanni evidence proved that the Rigveda was after 1500 BC. So then I examined the Mitanni evidence and again I found all the Mitanni names and words are found only in the new books, not in the old books. So that in, got me into this chronology thing. Then I examined the Avesta. I found a book which gave the common names in the Avesta and Rigveda. And again, all those common names are found only in the new books, not in the old books. So this set me off on that trail of my third book, the Rigveda and the Avesta, the final evidence in 2008. Now what happened is this subject about old Rigveda and new Rigveda is something that I had come across right in 92 when I was doing research. Because you know, certain people like Pusalkar, etc. have referred to this. They have said that the Rigveda contains a new layer of words, which is found only in the last part of the text. So from that time, I was interested in knowing who has done research on this. But actually, no one has really done research on this. There was one Hopkins, Edward Hopkins, who had done research on book eight of the Rigveda, a book, a, a paper called Pragathini. Now, he died in 1920 or before that. So you see, after that, no one has done research on this. So I regard him as my the pioneer in this 
Vedic chronology. So I decided to actually, if no one else has done this, let me do it. So now I have uh, written articles on that subject. I have found, and now I, within this month itself, I will be uploading a blog in which I will be giving a complete list of all the new words in the Rigveda, which are found only in the new five new books. They are occur almost 7,000 times in the new books and they are completely absent in the uh, old books. Completely zero versus 7,000. So it is quite a, a proof. And as I said, any argument on this Vedic history, if you apply this criterion of old Rigveda and new Rigveda, you find that you get your answer. Instead of de debating non-senseless things, you just see where is it found? Oh, it's found only in the new Rigveda. So it, so that is a very important, it will become a very important criteria in analyzing Rigvedic, Indo-Iranian and Indo-European history. So that is what I'm uh, doing right now. And uh, I will be putting it up by the end of this month. I almost finished it. I'm again going through the Rigveda in detail, checking up all the words. Uh, in the meantime, I'm writing books, you know, I wrote, uh, uh, writing article, blog articles on various topics like music and I reviewed the film's Kashmir Files and now there is another film come about the Mopla Rebellion, which uh, will, is not yet released. But I saw a preview of it four weeks ago and uh, four days ago and I immediately put up a review of the book, of the film. So I'm doing all these things, but now this is my main work, which will be coming out in this month. So for all yeah. our viewers, Shrikanji writes a very interesting blog. In fact, it's a whole history book in itself. Uh, for all of you who are wanting to keep up to date with Shrikanji's work and are a fan of his work, please do visit his blog. It's uh, it, it goes by his own name, Shrikant Talageri at Blogspot. That's uh, she, I put the link in the YouTube description at the bottom and you can visit his blog and keep to it. So, um, Shrikanji, I want to know how long did you how long did your first book take and how much patience you required to go through it? Did you feel like giving up at some point in time? Yes, yes, I do many times. But and uh, especially, you know, recently the health problems come up and all that. But uh, I feel, you know, that uh, I am the only because no one in the, has done this work after Edward Hop uh, Hopkins. No one has taken up this work of chronology. And I have done other things like, you know, I have shown how the, uh, you know, the emigration of Indo-European groups from India is actually recorded in the Rigveda. The ancestors of the Iranians, the Greeks, Albanians and Armenians are actually named in the uh, Dasharadne battle. And uh, I have shown, I have explained all the linguistic proofs for the out of India theory and I've shown how all the Aryan invasion theory arguments, linguistic arguments are wrong and flawed. So this is, but now this work of, you know, classifying the Rigveda into old and new is I th the central thing which should be uh, taken into consideration for any analysis. Shikanji is asking how many years it took you for your first book to write your first book? How many years yeah. it took? Well, it, uh, in 88 or 89, I decided I would do it. And I wrote to Sitaram Goji and once he gave me the green signal, I set about and you know, I had to go to the university library. I had to consult all sorts of things like Santali dictionary, who knows Santali in Mumbai at that time in 88 and 89. So I had to go and uh, search for all kinds of materials all uh, on mythologies, different Indo-European mythologies on languages and everything. So then my first book, what I had done was I took all the arguments of the AIT and wrote one chapter on each of them. So in the second one, I concentrated on the Rigveda itself. On the third one, I went even further and concentrated even more deeply along with the Avesta and the Mitanni evidence. So uh, that was the three books. Recently, I wrote my fourth book in 2019 uh, after Tony Joseph's book on the genetics uh, uh, argument. So uh, which really has nothing to do with the AIT or the OIT actually. So now I'm concentrating on this and once this is over, I'll, I'll, let us see. Because you think it's all over and then something else comes up. So this, but this one will be a strong weapon in our hands, a strong tool and a strong weapon. Yes, this classification absolutely. into old and new. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Shrikanji and uh, you know, the West is always obsessed with uh, proving the Aryan invasion theory. 
but with you and dr else i think we have a solid uh, ground where nothing nothing can uh, ever prove that myth of aryan invasion theory thank you so much shikant ji i want to ask you this question that what is your advice for all those youngsters who look up to you and want to go into this chronology dating and our ancient history what is your advice to them in today's times it's a very difficult time but what is your advice see i don't know if i'm qualified to give advice because you know uh, pe people have all kinds of views and if they you don't agree with their views then they immediately go against you that kind of thing is there but uh, nevertheless i would say you know first thing is you must uh, actually look at the data if there are some arguments against you you have to examine them not just brush them away and uh, you should have a large cosmopolitan view of the world culture that is the main thing which helped me along because you know this thing oh as uh, veda is the center of the universe and everything came from the vedas and all cultures came from the vedas everyone migrated from the vedic area that's sort of if you are concentrated in a certain fixed group you don't go so you must be uh, broad have a broad perspective and most of all you must be honest you know uh if you if you are wrong like so many times in all my books when i found that something of mine is not correct in the next book i have corrected it and pointed out that this was wrong this is the correct thing and uh, like for example i had counted the, taken the sarayu in the rigveda to be uh, some tributary of the indus based on ml bhargav's book but recently in one blog someone questioned it he said uh, i can't, can't see how it can be and i realized that i had just brushed it under the carpet all these years so i took up that subject and i found out that yes that sarayu is the sarayu of afghanistan and it is part of the emigration from india to the west it fits into the story perfectly so you see if you accept uh, someone's uh, objection then examine them then you probably get more proof for your theory which is what i have discovered every time like when witzel spoke about the mitanni words i had just thought what proof will be there in that so i had ignored it in my first two books just mentioned it in short but when he raised those objections i went into that in detail and then i got the proof for my third book the rigveda and the avista the final evidence so you see if you find something is pointed out as a mistake in your this thing you have to check it if it is a mistake you have to correct it and uh, find out how because i found that whatever mistakes i have corrected they are just mistakes they don't change the final conclusions up till now so that is all your hard work honesty and most of all a love for your identity all identities if you love your own identity you will love and respect all other people's identities and their feelings for their own identity that is what i feel and shrikant ji before we wrap up i want you to tell us the four strengths you think you have as a person that keeps you going and uh, your basic characteristic traits that you are proud of and uh, you you are happy and content with it see the thing i'm most proud of is my parents i don't know if i'm a um, believe in god or something but i think parents are gods of course you there are parents who are horrible towards their children if you see crime patrol and things like that but normal parents aren't in my parents were the most perfect i know that uh, i only wish they were alive now my father expired in 2002 and my mother in 2012 and uh, it's as if one third of me has died with them each time so i'm only one third of what i was before my father expired so i am proud of them i am proud of everything you know everyone should be proud of their identity they should not feel ashamed and without hating other identities that is the thing i am proud also of you know the fact that i, I try to be scrupulously honest and more than that i you know like uh, for example i used to eat non veg food and then when i was in the school in 9th standard i decided it's wrong to kill animals so i stopped i continue to eat eggs because it does not actually stick and but i never advise others you don't eat because it is all a personal thing each person has to decide on his own and even now i left it in 73 so that you will see is almost 50 years ago but even now when i see and smell non veg food my mouth waters because see the mind can decide but the tongue and the senses are different so you see i try my principal believe is you know um 
do good to others and if you can't do good at least don't do bad you know there is a hindi film song of mohammad rafi duniya mein aaya hai to phool khilaye ja aansu kisi ki ho khushiyan lutaye ja so that is my principle in life and that makes me happy of course everyone is no one is really happy each one has his own problems so that is the case with everyone thank you thank you shrikant ji and any concluding remarks uh, that you would like to end this interview with concluding remarks you know read my uh, what i have written and then consider it instead of just dismissing me as a bank clerk as someone who is not writing in peer reviewed journal that kind of thing irritates me because they are people you know who are not honest they just dismiss based on status that is the one thing i i want to say that people should read and if you can really find some mistake show it to me i will be happy because i don't want my mistakes to be shown after i'm dead and i cannot correct them i want them to be shown when i'm alive i can correct them or else i can show that they are not mistakes so that is my closing and shrikant ji you made this very important point of peer reviewed has yeah. indian knowledge ever been peer reviewed thing or i mean how is indian knowledge and do we have to ascribe and what is wrong with this peer reviewed culture actually yeah see these are all you know Uh, mutual admiration societies and uh, mutual backpatting clubs so they review each other you know things uh, which was written 40 years ago are still repeated in peer reviewed papers although they have been completely disproved and it's just depends upon whether you know the right people and there is a close circle which does this thing so if they say 2 plus 2 is equal to 5 and you say 2 plus 2 is equal to 4 people will accept them because they are peer reviewed papers and you are not peer reviewed i so i don't have any respect for that i have only respect for the data facts and logic and for the truth not for who is saying it that makes no difference i think that that was a wonderful interview we had with you shrikant ji and i can only thank you for all the work you've done and uh, we are we remain inspired and many people look up to you and hope to follow in the path that you and dr conrad elst have laid down uh, in the aryan invasion the vedic studies and other things but shrikant ji will forever remain indebted to you thank you so much thank for you. blessing blessing this uh, sangam talks and blessing this country by being born in it we thank you so much thank you thank you for inviting me and giving me this opportunity i i think you uh, the you speak from your heart and i think that is the best thing one can do and we i have enjoyed this interview thoroughly i'm sure everybody else will thank you shrikant ji thank you thank you for being here thank you thank you